Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Centurion Leadership Battalion podcast, your source of accountability, inspiration, and motivation to become your best and reach your fullest potential every day. Our motto, it's simple, to use our determination to crush our everyday leadership tasks so that we dominate in our delivery of services and products to our clients and achieve victory and personal growth, profitability, and creating environments for those around us to prosper. Let's get this show started. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Centurion Leadership Battalion. Obviously, you had the intro. Obviously, I'm Justin Bizarro. Uh, that's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. I'm sure everyone knows how to spell it by now. Um, if not, it is B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. Not quite like the Bizarro Superman spelling and not quite like the Bizarro from Friends spelling. So, but close enough. Anyway, so today I'm with you guys on another uh, one-on-one or uh, wake up on Wednesdays or whatever we call them. It's been a while since I'm just getting back from Mexico and obviously a lot of stress. Um, it is what this episode is about. What is it like to be stranded in Mexico or in a foreign country? Um, I don't want to make it sound like this was some horrible thing. Um, it was stressful. It was horrible in ways, but it wasn't like we didn't have means and we weren't in a nice resort to help us facilitate the problem or the issue or whatever we want to call it. So let's just start here. Um, for the audience that doesn't know or hasn't seen it on um, Instagram or Facebook or listen to the previous podcast where we sort of talk about um, being stranded. <clears throat> but basically, um, Deborah and I went to Mexico. It was a great resort um, and Playa del Mar's. And the day of the wedding that we were going to, which was our fifth day there, um, right before the wedding, Deborah tested positive for COVID to try to get back in the United States. So they immediately isolated her. Um, hazmat suits, clean the room, not sure what's going on. Justin still go to the wedding with Maddie and Zoe. Let's try to figure this out. So I obviously try to go and make get through that day make sure everyone has a good time it's not about deborah and i it's about the married couple get through the day and then the next day it's like a ton of bricks like okay i have to leave the hotel i got maddie and zoe leaving but deborah's stuck here what am i going to do they're trying to charge me for the night i know deborah gets to stay for free but what happens to me and so we're trying to work all of it out um i ended up having to pay two nights before they reimbursed us um, and Deborah and I, obviously a lot of tension. We can't see each other. She's isolated. Um, she can't leave a hotel room. She doesn't have any sun. Um, she has a balcony, but they, she has two security guards, um, making sure that, you know, she doesn't leave or cause any contamination to the rest of the resort, so on and so forth. <clears throat> so all things that are, are probably, um, proper steps, um, interestingly, um, so we're talking day six by now, six days go by, she gets released. She's served her quarantine and her isolation. Um, we go to leave and we can't leave again because the United States had changed their policies overnight, 
but because we were in the country when the policy changed, we no longer had free nights at the resort. Um, they wouldn't let Deborah back in the country, and things got kind of crazy with the paperwork. So that all being said, um, we stayed, and we paid to stay in the same resort that we were in um, because they were, doctors were there and everything, and we had the means to do it. But um, it was a very interesting thing being, you know, seeing Mexico's policies towards COVID. Um, I think we're going to talk about that a little bit in this episode. Um, and uh, well, what I believe is about to happen is, you know, you have Russia about to invade Ukraine. Um, I'm going to talk about that because it was interesting to see it with all the different perspectives particularly internationally, that I witnessed being in that resort uh, for 18 days. Um, I'm going to talk about the health, okay, and I'm going to talk about a lot about the privilege as Americans that I feel, and, and when we go to places like Mexico and we, we stick in these all-inclusive resorts, um, what is it that we're really doing and exposing our children to? So let's just start here. I thought it was great that they chose this venue for everyone coming in out of town. Not everyone travels to foreign countries. Mexico was great with COVID and their policies and their doctors and working with the United States. Um, and the resorts were great at it. The staff was great. So A plus to where we chose to go, A plus that the resort had the doctors and the testing and all the stuff as part of the fees for staying there. Obviously very expensive, but it was worth it. Okay. Deborah and I typically don't travel this way. Like we go, we expose ourselves to the country. Even if we stay in the hotel, we try to make sure it's in part of the city and we go try to explore the city, good, bad, or indifferent. Um, we, we try to do what we can to see everything and eat in the local neighborhoods and talk to the local um, people that live there, so on and so forth. So to go into res all-inclusive is atypical. Number one, I don't drink alcohol ever. Um, so there's that, and I haven't drank much alcohol over the last 12 years of my life. Um, just part of who I am and part of trying to pursue my potential. Um, and also deal with some, you know, issues around it, as you can listen to episode 12. Um, but Deborah doesn't drink much either anyway, and she does drink, but it's not like an all-inclusive worth of rates. And certainly the food was outstanding. And so I want to talk about that. Um part of the reason Deborah and I go out in the countries and when we travel is to experience the food the natural way because we very much find being in the food industry that the rest of the world eats better than we do and that may be hard for everyone to hear on this podcast and I'm probably going to upset a ton of people because there are people starving in the world and they're like oh Americans have so much access to food and we overeat all true Americans overeating has a lot to do with the lack of nutrition in our food and there's plenty of starvation or quote-unquote malnutrition in the world where there's food or rice being fed but they're not getting nutrition along with it so while they may not necessarily be starving there's malnutrition and when there's malnutrition you want to keep eating and eating and eating until you get that nutrition okay per makes perfect logical sense like you take your vitamins you have a vitamin-based diet you put biodiversity into your diet through purely a screen process and what your body picks up and that it doesn't need the same thing every day it needs different things over a period of time nutrients vitamins whatever 
<clears throat> you can see that we don't do that as Americans. We really live off of three meats, pork, beef, chicken. It's rare that we have turkey unless it's on a sandwich. It's rare we explore any other animals in our biodiversity, buffalo, duck, goose, you know, quail, whatever. We should be exploring more. <clears throat> Elk, you know, we talk about that. Um, even venison, how do we explore that? We have plenty of deer. So it's things like that, that that we talk about. But in other countries, they explore the biodiversity a lot more and they use their local ingredients more mostly i wouldn't say it's entirely true um and every country has processed foods and and whatever but i'll give you an example in mexico there's not corn syrup and coca-cola it's sugar okay because america and wanting to keep our corn fields and make sure we have corn in case we go to war again and now corn also being a fuel source with ethanol and a feed source for our animals we want to make sure corn remains prominent and any excess corn we produce can go into corn syrup. It's not high fructose corn syrup anymore. Okay, good, but it's still corn syrup. It's still not sugar in the way that it's sugar is sugar. And so it's great that we produce corn syrup and I have nothing against the farmers that do it. I just want everyone to look at the difference. And maybe corn syrup is not the right solution. Maybe there's another plant we can grow instead of corn that can provide some sort of consistency like that so we're not dependent on foreign trade for sugar, for example, because part of corn syrup is not being dependent on sugar. <clears throat> so these things all matter. But here's the interesting part about my health, okay? Now, part of it is, is during these 18 days, the stress of traveling, COVID, I got a lot still going on at work and food service partners and client clients and COVID and, and ungratefulness. Like I could tell you stories galore about how many clients and how many years you work with them and you put your employees at risk during COVID. Yet when the logistics system's going down the tubes or prices and food are going up, they're refusing to pay you guys more money for the food that they're getting, even though everyone sees the crisis or your service is rendered or your gasoline since gasoline prices. So um, the partnerships are, are very weird right now because the world, no matter what was before COVID and all the loyalties and stuff, the world has changed quite a bit and loyalty and, and things like COVID have really shaken up and we put people behind masks and no different than the civil war we let an issue like vaccinated or unvaccinated come between families and cause tensions that weren't there before. So, <clears throat> and I never saw more of it than I did um, in Mexico. And here's my prediction about this. I believe that if we start going to war in the world or a um, couple things, if, if Russia really does go into Ukraine, we obviously can see that no matter how good we have it or the economies that are going that we should have probably puffed our chest a little bit better over there and and shown our strength and fought for liberty and and human rights i don't know what's going to happen but russia and based on what happened in with the country georgia come on <clears throat> and when that happens i think we're all going to forget about the mask and forget about covid and the world's going to move on to the next thing because that's what we do and we made such a big deal out of COVID and, and Deborah and I go through this thing as American citizens where we're getting bounced back by our own country, where she didn't have one symptom, guys, or run one fever. 
And here's the crazy part is even after all that, even after we stayed to come back in the United States, they changed their policy again and started to bounce us back again. And she's like, we're just like, fuck it. Let's just take a test. I had taken a test basically every two days. So I knew I was negative the whole time. I'm like, take a test. We've been together. I've tested negative. You should just take a test. <clears throat> negative. Well, you can go home. It's like, you know. So, and if she hadn't done so many tests that tested positive at the very beginning, I wouldn't have believed it. But obviously the quarantine worked. Obviously she didn't bring it into the country. Obviously getting back, back bounced back was effective. <clears throat> the changing policies, the, the United States not having the same tests as the rest of the world, us sort of needing to do everything different. Um, it's just, I get it, we're pivoting and I get it, we're looking at things, but the stability of being an American <laughs> while you were there and the changing policies was very interesting. And if you tested negative, you were good to go. I don't think you knew anything different because, well, in the resort, it was basically someone basically said and I agree with this it's Mexico light um, a lot of people travel to foreign countries and bring their children like oh we were in Mexico oh and it's uh, worth an Instagram photo you know were you in Mexico did you experience Mexico you were at a resort you know so <clears throat> and I'm not saying that you shouldn't go travel in a resort but it depends on what you do from there the all-inclusive the family's not leaving the resorts um, it's interesting. Um, I also want to talk about privilege because I'll tell you one of the strategies when they were making me pay for the room and I was like, no, you guys, I really believe that you should give me the room during these days and this is what the agreement is and we needed to work through it. And eventually they did the right thing, but it took me standing in the lobby every morning quietly, just patiently asking them and doing it again and again. And then I'd eventually pay after four hours that day and then I do it again the next day eventually pay after four hours of being there read a book sit in the lobby make sure they still saw me by day three they knew I was coming Mr. Bizarro everything's covered we're going to refund the money blah 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 it takes patience but I saw more Americans and mind you you're in Mexico and there's different charges and they charge you for things and you got to be careful how you give out your credit card or what you commit to or how you pay for things. You just have to be smart and consistent. You're not in America anymore. But to lose our minds publicly all the time and yell at people and, and scream at people, um, it's a very interesting perspective. And as a person that does raise my voice and scream and is emotional with people at work, I find it interesting that these people are doing their job it has nothing to do with you um and i understand that you're upset but what is it that you're modeling okay so here's where the difference lies with me is i saw it every time with an american that was having an issue at the front desk during this time that it wasn't that they yelled or raised their voice or had a problem with what was going on it's the fact that it turned personal so quickly the accusations the the strong use of words the the suddenly I'm better than you and I'm talking down to you 
And it's very interesting because this is where the Russia thing comes back into play that I'm talking about after being in Mexico and seeing a different side for things, which people are like, it is very interesting that Americans want liberty and they say liberty for all. And you've gone through things like slavery and segregation and now you're pushing for human rights, yet you don't believe in it enough for the human rights for the whole world. And if you guys are going to stand on such a high moral ground, why isn't it good enough for the whole world? And, and, and obviously there's also the point of view that you don't push your ideals on the other people. Agreed. But if someone's being a bully in the world, we can go be a bully to the bully and stand the ground and help countries like the Ukraine by puffing our chest around the border, NATO, no NATO, whatever, however we want to look at it. I know we have these complicated agreements, but we need to puff our chest. We retire weapons every year, military items. We just need to like think about a way of making money. We can sell it to some of our NATO partners to help secure our borders. We have military bases over there around Russia for reasons. It's okay for us to put more troops there and start to puff our chest but we won't do it. And you know why? And you know who knows we won't do it? Putin. He's waiting. He's playing a chess game. He's a long-term chess player. Probably one of the best at this point. And when he stresses the world financially, because companies like Gazprom, which I saw in the World Cup, I've been to Russia, just so everyone knows, we were at the World Cup. So my perspective on Russia is that he's been doing this dance and getting public and the world sympathy in order to start taking back the empire that he believes is Russia. And Kiev was the capital and the starting place of the Russian empire. St. Peter moved it to St. Petersburg. The communists moved it to Moscow. Right, wrong, indifferent. Um, He believes, they believe they have the right to go there. Here's the other concern, guys, and if we're going to talk about health in the world and we're going to talk about food on this podcast and leadership, Ukraine, just like Stalin knew, is the one of the best fertile places to grow food. You've got the climates, you've got the temperatures, you've got the different variations. It grows food. Lots of food grows in the Ukraine. Lots of natural resources in the Ukraine. So if the world is worried about expanding populations, Russia has nothing but land to expand its population on. It just needs more food. And it's got all the natural resources it's selling to the world and it's got all the wealth. Now it just needs to be able to grow the food. The other thing that we're probably going to see during this time is the long-term economic game and strategy that China plays, which they're already doing during COVID. They're buying up as much of the food chain as possible. We all know what happened to Smithfield, and if you don't know, I would look it up. Smithfield pork, it's no longer American. And as a person in this business, I can tell you that more and more the Bank of China is getting more and more involved in buying agricultural goods from the United States and exporting to the world and making sure they have their hand in all of food trade around the world. But they're not only doing that, they're also making sure they have their hand in selling it back in the United States or back into countries. So the economic war, 
the Chinese are doing it the right way. They move minerals and gases and stuff like that on logistics. They also move the food. Those are the two most important things we need. So to start limiting our resources and we, we go down these, these rabbit holes, like if another country that has way more people than us is less environmentally sound than we are or less regenerative than we are, and we say, oh, we're not going to do that. We're going to get solar panels. But then we allow a billion or uh, however many millions of countries do more damage to the environment with greater population. Does not anyone see the math and the imbalance here? <clears throat> if we're going to lead and do the right thing um, for energy and for things like that, it has to be self-sufficiency. And so to turn stuff over or close down industries without transitioning self-sufficiency in the United States, and when we have plenty of natural resources or any country that matter, I get it, a lot of European countries and these countries have to be dependent on these big countries for natural resources because they consume more than they have. That's unfortunate, but it's true. And they have to export services and intellect and financial and whatever to survive. And that's the, the way the United States is going just because by nature we're a smaller population than these bigger countries. And while we have the same amount of resources, we're not willing to use them. So, <clears throat> and so a lot of this perspective, it's very interesting when you hear other European countries that are smaller. We've seen, we ran into Russians and Ukrainians um, at the resort. So it was interesting to hear the different perspectives, the different perspective of their leaders, well, even democracy or free markets for that, for that matter. Um, the Ukrainians and the Russians knowing that Putin's been strategically trying to find ways to argue his way into Ukraine since he's taken office. You know, so while we're all blindsided, be like, what is going on and why is he about to go to war? Um, well, there's a lot of the world that has seen this coming. <clears throat> All right. So lastly, I do feel that um, based on what I've seen in foreign countries, I've heard from other people in foreign countries and and what we hear from the news or we hear the percentages or what's going on in the countries in terms of mask or no mask or vaccinated and not vaccinated. We filter it through the lens of whatever country we're in sometimes or whatever lens we think that country is <laughs> it's you know we can say oh it's a poor country and whatever so we filter it that way but the reality is is when you don't have much and life is still about hardship and uncomfort and trying to survive and and build legacies and and you don't have so much comfort and privilege um, you're much more humane in the way you handle society, interestingly. So because in America, for example, the middle class and the upper class have so much to protect and are so protective of what they have versus realizing what they really have is unity, a bond, and a family in a, in a world where they can rebuild anytime they want. And it doesn't matter what you have now. You always have an opportunity to rebuild. <clears throat> that we, we do it and we control it so much and we try to protect our, it at such cost and our family and our fences and our dogs that we isolate ourselves and we stop caring and we start 
we stop looking at the world the same way. And yet we'll stop shopping and we'll kill our economy and we'll sell all, buy foreign goods and now buy broccoli from China because we won't, we don't support our local economy or we're now, we're worried about money. And the long-term damage to our children that we just did by isolating, by not buying, by not buying the right food is so much greater than a COVID problem. Like if we don't see the pattern that's happening here and we don't see what privilege is doing, what not eating right is doing, what not making America be the best in food really matters in the world, whether it's we start looking at bison or alligator and we find food sources that we are known for, not just beef or chicken or whatever pork that can be anywhere in the world. What is it that we're going to known for? What type of pork? What type of beef? What type of chicken? What are we going to push it to? What are we as American consumers going to do to make sure humanity is equal? Well, if we make sure our animals are humanely treated, I'm starting to guess that perspectively as we understand that and we educate on humanely treating things and the natural process of life and death, I bet you humans get nicer to each other and have a better understanding and start to transcend some of these barriers like religion um, ethnic differences and color of skin or whatever we want to have differences. Now it's man, women, once man, once woman, whatever that we're still trying to figure out because now we're very expressive as a culture and we have all these different associations in the way we look at ourselves and they're all okay. I'm not making fun of it. I'm just saying it's a lot to navigate. So if we want liberty for everyone and we want everyone to have a voice and we want everyone to be treated humanely and be accepted, we also have to figure out how to do that in its entirety across the globe for the animals and the plants. And we have to figure that out by doing it and realizing that we're semi-gods here. Like, okay, there is, we're not the gods, but we have hands and we have ability to care and get animals love and and love the earth and treat it as one you know and yes we have to eat things to survive and we need meat and animal fat for our brains so we have to come to you know to realize that loving the animal is also treating it humanely so we can eat it you know <clears throat> but i will tell you <clears throat> i lost 17 pounds in <clears throat> mexico I ate more food than I normally do with the stress and everything going on. I was doing, I did do 75 hard. So I was on that while I was there, which, you know, was basically like a way to stabilize me during all the stress and worrying about Deborah and what am I going to do and trying to figure out my day and, and being moved around the hotel. It was a way that I could keep something consistent. But the food was natural. The food was local. Everything was fresh, even the stuff from the ocean. And so my health improved greatly, interestingly, even amongst all the stress. My skin, um, and I had more stress than I've ever had before. But, you know, work-wise, I think I have more stress. And with what's going on with Deborah and, and trying to figure that out and her and I not agreeing on how we should handle it um, made things difficult. You know, I think in the end, we came to agree on that we handled it correctly, but it was hard at first. Do I leave? Do I leave her there? Do we, you know, 
you know, I wasn't going to leave her in a foreign country. I wasn't going to set that model for a future husband for Maddie and Zoe. <clears throat> but we did worry about work, and Deborah was worried about me working. And that is a legitimate, you know, both sides were legitimate. <clears throat> and so one of the things I would say is that you really need to focus on financial independence in your life and make sure you're going to be okay. And when you build your businesses or you build your careers, that you build the people around you so strong that they can survive without you. And if you're out of town or you have an emergency and your boss is like, get back to work, you have employees that work for you that say, hey, I will step up for Justin. I know he needs to be there for his wife. Please don't hurt him for this. We're a team. He trained us to have each other's back. And if you go back to the Jacko Willink books, it's cover and move, cover and move. You train your team to do that. You know, I'm talking about um, extreme ownership, by the way, I believe is the name of the book or executive ownership. I can't remember. But either way, um, in there's a chapter called cover and move, and it's what I'm talking about. So lastly, I will tell everyone that when I came back to the United States, Deborah and I, over the last few days and adjusted back to American processed food and America, it's been, I didn't get sick in Mexico. Everyone talks about Montezuma's revenge. Really, I think it's your body cleansing itself in some ways, and maybe it's water and, and bacteria and stuff like that. But <clears throat> our bodies just don't know what it's like to have natural sugars and natural items in our food as Americans, maybe even Europeans, I don't know. Um, but I would say majority of the world, we're getting used more and more used to processed foods. And that doesn't mean I didn't have a soda and I didn't, you know, do what I, you know, eat whatever I ate. As long as I was sticking to what I agreed to, my diet was, was 75 hard. <clears throat> there was some food in there that would be considered processed. But generally when I do 75 hard, I, I eliminate all processed foods, um, and I try to stick all natural. And so that being said, even here, even with a slightly processed food that I had brought into my diet just to keep my calories up um, in Mexico, I was still losing weight. And my muscle tone and muscle gain and water and everything was just different. And it's the beverages, the juices, the things like that, even the you look at the way they make the ice creams like we I get it it's a luxury because it's a high-end resort but I also know that if I go out in those places they eat more local they go to their grocery stores more often they're smaller they're more unique um, they're more seasonal it's not always you can get tomatoes all year round or the same type of tomatoes I know the world's getting more and more used to that but what I am saying is that um I really, um, as, as a population, as a human species, um, if we don't see that our health is also correlated to the health of our environment and the regeneration of our environment um, and the health of our animals and, and the plants and stuff on it, I don't know what to say to anyone. I don't know how much more logical it can get. And if religion or whatever we've existed at least 15,000 years. We know that's when we sort of woken up, so probably 150,000 years. So whatever it is, or however we got here, or whatever our purpose is, it's certainly not to extinct ourselves. 
and certainly feeding ourselves, you know, the body of Christ or the blood of Christ as we do in Christianity. Like you're getting nutrients from it. You're getting substance from it. He's in, in nourishing you with him. Not only, and I get the analogy of spirit and faith and all that, but it's also about really freaking being a healthy person. Right? Like it's our job. Like we get one chance. We get one chance at this life. So to think that gluttony or or eating irresponsibly that ruins the environment is not doing damage or we're not going to have to answer for it or we're not if for example you go to heaven you want to look down and watch your kids and grandchildren great-grandchildren suffer because you just didn't start shopping right the right way it's going to be the greatest wake up ever and everyone wants to talk about being woke up the greatest wake up ever and i can tell you from being in mexico and the way is eating is that we as a world realize that we need to support local economies and food and we need to make it natural and we need to make it humane and we need to rotate it and make it full of biodiversity so we can regenerate our plant and sustain the life um, that we're creating um, ultimately which is a growing human population of over 7.9 billion people so um we can consume until we die or kill everything or start to cause famine or have to eat each other, which is probably a possibility. Or we can start to figure this out and actually evolve our species by being healthier, by evolve our species, by evolve, by constantly making our brains healthier our bodies healthier and we actually can help evolve our species and our spirituality and our happiness um, from and our legacies so we go to mexico to try to get away from all the stress of life um, or go to being stranded in a foreign country and we do all that but the reality is um is it isn't an escape and um what we're really needing to do is go expose ourselves to the world and we would appreciate what we have so much more and not need to keep consuming to try to feel better. And if we really went into the world and exposed ourselves, we would see how much more value we could give our families by not consuming, by investing in them and investing in our families or side hustles or teaching our children things. So with that, Thank you, everyone. There will be another WOW episode later this month um, where I do continue um, uh, this conversation about the other part of being stranded in the country. How do you be prepared? Um, money, situations that I didn't talk about during this podcast, um, times that Deborah and I have um, almost been kidnapped in Russia, or the kids, I should say, um, things that we've had to deal with in South Africa or um issues that i've had in india um and things like that or or even in spain and italy so i just want to fully talk about being stranded in the country so there will be a part two to this episode um but i thought that was good for today to sort of give everyone a mouthful or earful so thanks everyone for listening in have a great day